Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Mark has supplied us with some uh, pictures and some sketches that we've got in our carousel reel at coasttocoastam.com. Go take a look at that. Click the first one, and then all the others will open up. As you follow along with our interview here, you'll see some of these fantastic work there. It is kind of a creepy state, Mark, when you think about it. Yeah, it's like the whole place was built on an Indian burial ground or something. So. Near the Brooks Bridge, there is a haunted restaurant called the Magnolia Grill. Tell us about that place. This is an amazing building. It was a it's a it was a kit building sold from you know back when Sears sold uh, houses that you could build with like no, minimal carpentry skills. Right. It was originally called the French House, and I um, could build it. Yeah, anybody <laughs> could. It, 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 there's no uh, molded edges. It's it's pretty amazing to go to, and it was the French House and it was a boarding house for a long time. And it started getting weird. There was an artist there named Sandoval, who um, paint was a famous painter. He was mostly doing you know beach scenes because hey, it's Florida on the Panhandle, and uh, he went insane and painted red rabbits over all of his paintings. He swore he was possessed to do it and destroyed all his own work. Uh, now we cut to years later, and this uh, new family, the Pierces, buy the French house after it had been abandoned a little while. They restore it and turn it into the Magnolia Grill. And uh, he collects a lot of World War II antiquities, so the whole upstairs is his private collection. But the restaurant itself has several ghosts, one that, you know, uh, they're, they're mad because it doesn't do the dishes but tends to make a mess. Uh, but uh, the main thing is they have a painting in the hallway that they brought from Ohio of uh, two of uh, Jack's aunts, the guy who owns the place, and they're two little girls. And at night, they swear they change positions and and do weird things. So, is it the house that's haunted, or you know, is it the painting? But you know, it's a lot of history in one little building. What do you think, Mark, makes these ghosts do what they do, or these hauntings happen? Well, we have had you know so many you know interviews with so many parapsychologists and experts, and they all have their own theories. And um, we have, you know, our own as well. We like to call it uh, preternatural instead of supernatural. Mm-hmm. Just something we don't understand yet. It's something that we might someday. And I think as more and more studies get done and it stops being such a, oh, you're studying ghosts, you're a goofball, you know, and it starts getting a little more serious study, especially since it's so popular now on television, radio, and everything. Uh, there's a more ghost hunter shows than travel shows on the travel oh channel, my God. every channel now. And I hear rumors there may be another one coming out. Exactly. We'll yeah, talk about that's, that. <laughs> that's uh, well, a project we've been uh, working on is called uh, Erie Travels. We're finally getting out of the, the Florida area and heading to the rest of the country. <laughs> and uh, they kind of uh, pitched it. They originally pitched it to us as Anthony Bourdain meets uh, Ghost Adventures. Yeah. And we said, how about a bit more mountain monsters meets diners, drive-ins, and dives? That's a bit more my speed. So they loved it, and so we're, you know, we're filming a pilot now, and hopefully that means, uh, you know, we get some uh, some traction with yeah, it. Yeah, if it gets picked it. up, that would be great. Let us know if we can help you on that, Mark. Oh, we'd love that. So. Push that. 1565, the Spanish founded St. Augustine in Florida. It's the oldest continuously inhabited city in North America, but it's very haunted, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Like there's more ghost tours and uh, ghost places there. Um, this is actually what started us on this whole ghostly experiences was one of our first uh, encounters. It's my my youngest daughter's earliest memory 
is we were there, and we were standing by the city gates. It was late at night. We were on a ghost tour, and they were at uh, the Huguenot Cemetery talking about Judge Stickney, a ghost that haunts that place. And we kind of wandered ahead, my daughter and I, because I knew that story, and I was just wanting to, I knew we'd be going through the gates, and I just kind of wanted to sit down. And my daughter started playing over there, and then she comes running up to me, and she says, Dad, Dad, uh, this little girl said, uh, be, be, beware of Jack. Jack says, we've we got to be careful of Jack. And I'm like, okay. And I'm looking around to see if she's you know, playing with anybody, and I didn't see anybody, but I was like, all right, she's like five at this time. And uh, then they come over, and they start talking about the gate and that the gatekeeper who lived there, and he warned everybody about yellow fever, and then he died. But his young daughter stayed on and warned people for a few more weeks about the yellow fever epidemic that was wiping out the town. But then she died. But her ghost is still seen around there. So hmm. the historian in me starts going, wait a minute, that's they wouldn't have called it yellow fever. And then I looked into it, and they called, what did they call yellow fever at the time? Yellow Jack. Yellow Jack. And that's what my daughter, and so I asked my daughter, that's like, interesting. I told you this. She's like this little girl in the gate, and now that's her earliest memory. Do these uh, apparitions continue to show up every once in a while? Oh yeah, that's you know that's where we go with the stone tape theory that some are recordings that they you know they just are traumatic and they, you know something terrible happened or you know just they were there so long they're attached to it so the walls of the place just keep them there. And that's, you know, those are the recording ones. And then there's the next level where it's a bit more poltergeist and things start moving and things start interacting. And then you get the other levels where they're like sentient and they talk to you and, and interact, you know, and, and, you know, and it goes up from there. There's, it's like a sliding scale. The old pirate run island, Amelia Island. Tell us about that. That's right on the Georgia border, uh, Fernandina Beach area. And uh, there's uh, so many great ghost stories there. Uh, one is Luke Ory. He was the son of the guy who ran the island for a while. There were more pirate ships at that island than regular ships at one point. Um, and uh, his dad ran it and then fled this, the city. And this guy was stayed behind, but then he got captured by the fledgling United States government, and they were going to hang him. And he decided, well, rather than get hung, he was going to slit his own throat. And he decides to do that, but then they catch him in the act and save him knowing he's going to be hung in the morning, and they stitched him up and kind of tucked up his shirt so that nobody could see that he'd done this. And they brought him out to the hanging tree, and when they hung him, but because he'd hurt his neck so badly, it you know the head basically comes off. And so his ghost is like nearly headless Nick from the Harry Potter movies. He's still there with this uh, nearly headless pirate that wanders huh. around. How about the wild man of North Florida? Now, for those of us that, you know, love my, our first books with uh, Erie, Florida and Freaky, Florida, we needed to work in somehow our favorite Florida skunk ape. Uh, so we found a ghostly skunk ape. There was the o Wild Man of Ochizi Pond. It's probably one of the first recorded uh, back in the late 1800s. Uh, the town near the Ochizi Pond was being attacked uh, and by some creature that lived in the woods so they sent a posse out and they caught him and he was like eight feet tall covered in hair sound familiar uh you yep. know the sasquatch and they sent it they didn't know what to do with it so they sent it to the governor's office in tallahassee on stagecoach uh the governor didn't know what to do with it so he sent it to the state 
home for the mentally insane just a little ways away, and their records disappear there. We know it died in captivity. We don't know anything else about it. But it was all over the newspapers. There's lots of recordings of it. There's a sketch of it uh, back in the day of them catching it and putting it in a cage. Um, But where did it go? What happened to it? Well, now residents in that area say they see this glowing light, all uh, you know, Scooby-Doo-ish, uh, this green glow in the swamp, and then they see this glowing, you know, basically Sasquatch, a skunk ape that fades into nothingness out there. So we got a ghostly Bigfoot. You don't take, Mark, every story at face value. In some cases, you're very skeptical, aren't you? Oh yeah, that's we debunk uh, more than we you know more than we go. Wait a minute, that's uh, you know that's this. Uh, we one of the most uh, famous we that we uh, got through was the uh, Bellamy Bridge. It's uh, up in the Panhandle. It's so famous. The ghost story of it is on their sign for the tour for the park. Wow. Yeah. State sign and it's like an attraction, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And they, they you know, they, they lead tours out there. Uh, but the history that they list is completely wrong. Uh, the young lady who they say is the ghost of the Bellamy Bridge didn't die at the time. They said she, they said she was in her wedding gown and she caught on fire and she died. And then her husband was so tra- traumatized that he killed himself. And no, she didn't die at all on her wedding. She didn't die in childbirth. There's all these other stories about her, and none of that happened. It was all a author had written a book uh, that uh, was a similar story, and this lady was known to write books that were based on real events, so everybody assumed it was this one lady, and it wasn't. It was actually something that took place in South Carolina. And uh, now there is a ghost there. There is something. People see it. But it's just it's not the the historical version, the you know the set in stone version. So we were able to, you know, there's something unusual there, but it's not what they thought. What is Tate's Hell? Oh, you know, Florida loves to name things. You know, nothing's uh, you know we don't have a Bigfoot, we have a skunk ape. Right. We have a we have a we have a sea monster. It's not the St. John's River monster. We call him Pinky because he's pink. Uh, you know, there's uh, Pinky. So Tate's Hell. <laughs> was this legendary place, this guy, uh, it was the Tate Farm, and he had made, uh, his family had made a, a bond with a Native American who would protect their lands uh, and let them be fruitful as long as they offered him a pig every year. And one year, the father died, the mother died, and the son decided, well, I'm not going to give you any more pigs because you, you know, my family's died, you haven't helped. And so the guy's like, are you sure? Yep. So suddenly, nothing started growing in this area. It became wilds again. It became swamp. The only thing that kept growing were his pigs. And so he sent for a wife. He had a mail-order bride come over. And she comes over, and she can't eat the pigs because she's Jewish. And so he's suddenly, oh, no, what do I do? Uh, so he goes out. He finally loses it, decides to go out into the swamp and get some you know, hunt. And he disappears for two weeks never seen, you know, not seen for weeks. And when he comes out in a nearby town of Carabelle, they are like, who are you? And he's like, my name is Tate, and I've just been through hell. How and about that? That's where the, the, the state forest gets its name. In Rockledge, uh, there's some more haunted restaurants. Tell us about that. Uh, one of the most famous 
haunted places in Florida, Ashley's Restaurant. It was an old uh, train station, and uh, there was a murder there. Um, and the ghost is so famous, they've got her on the menu. You know, you can hear her, read her story. And the walls of the hotel, uh, the, 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 the restaurant, are covered with photos from investigations. Oh, my God. So if you go there and you get a photo, they'll put it up on the wall. And um, it's pretty crazy. But they uh, have the story of the person, the, the, the ghost, on the menu? On the back of the menu, yep. You, get, you, you can order your, your food, and then they read all about the uh, terrible murder and the ghost oh. that haunts the place. My gosh. Okay, what else is going on out there with the uh, Wakulla Suites? Okay, now this one has uh, some ties to uh, Stephen King fans here. Uh, Wakulla Suites is now the Westgate Inn. Um, it's a. Uh, it looks like an old tiki style from the '60s. It was. Uh, it was a uh, apartment buildings for a while, and then it's now a hotel again. But what's famous there is they have a hanged clown, a poor circus clown who couldn't get any more work, tried to be a birthday clown, couldn't do it, had his last chance at a gig, and it was canceled, so he hung himself in one of the rooms. And now if you stay there, supposedly if you're in the wrong room at the wrong time, you're going to see a ghastly sight of a hanged clown in your closet. You don't want to be in the wrong place at the wrong time there. No, definitely not. And again, we found some stories that back up the history of that, which is a little scary. Indeed. Now, cemeteries, a great place for paranormal investigators. Are there many haunted ones in Florida? Oh, all over the place. Uh, the Brooksville has a infamous one called uh, the Spring Hill Cemetery. Uh, St. Augustine is full of them. You've got Tolomato and the Huguenot Cemetery we discussed a little earlier. And then uh, probably one of the biggest ones, the Greenwood Cemetery in Orlando. It's an amazing, huge cemetery, uh, and it was part of the Sunland Hospital, which was the Sunland home. And it has, if you look that up, it's some dark history. It was a home for uh, mentally disturbed and... uh, and it just was abuse allegations galore, and the place finally shut down. But there are there are areas of that graveyard that are just uh, labeled Babyland. There's Babyland One, Babyland Two, Babyland Three, and that's just all the children graves from that hospital that died. And it's uh, you know pretty terrifying when you go there and you just look at all these little children's graves everywhere. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.